Hello, everyone, and welcome to the all-new Physical Therapy Soapbox podcast, hosted by physical therapist Dr. Andrew Rothschild and Dr. Andrew Mann. Today, with easy access to information through the internet, social media, news, as well as from family, friends, and colleagues, it can be challenging to understand not only what is accurate, but also how it applies to you. Our goal with this podcast is to curate and discuss the most up-to-date knowledge related to physical therapy and rehabilitation, as well as other aspects of health, including sleep, nutrition, and stress management. We'll also address many of the myths and misconceptions that have continued to persist within healthcare, despite years of overwhelming evidence against them. This episode is brought to you by the Virginia Center for Spine and Sports Therapy in Midlothian, Virginia. Thanks for listening. Welcome, everybody, I think, to episode five of the Physical Therapy Soapbox podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Rothschild, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Andrew Mann. Andrew, how you doing? I'm doing well. Excited to get another podcast out about exercise. Excellent. Yeah, we had a, our longest one so far was our last episode about the, the wide-ranging effects of exercise, and it's one of those ones we trying to keep our duration to a minimum, but exercise is such a large topic. Uh, we had to divide it up over uh, a few different ones. And I'm sure we'll be coming back to this topic multiple times anyway, just because obviously as physical therapists, it's the uh, majority of what we do and what we you know, do in terms of uh, intervention with patients. Um, and also because of just the, as we discussed, the wide ranging uh, health benefits it has in, in so many different areas. Yeah, um, excited to discuss kind of the, the effects it has on on your cancer risk of developing cancer, heart disease, how important exercise is for your lungs, and all sorts of things that we didn't get to cover last time. Yeah, uh, but and before we get to the the uh, serious stuff, we're going to start a new segment uh, that we discussed uh, we've discussed over the past few weeks. Uh, Andrew and I are both big fans of the show long running series Seinfeld. Um, even though there's about 10 years difference in our own ages, we still have a love for the show. And so we're going to start a new segment dedicated to Seinfeld where we will discuss maybe different episodes, uh, different, you know, different things, different characters, different things like that, sort of as a segue away from just physical therapy. Uh, but I guess for the first one today, we're going to start off with a little Seinfeld trivia that Andrew has. Yeah, so uh, stay tuned for the end for the answer here. But the, the first Seinfeld question we're going to start with is, you know, bonus points if you can name the episode. Um, but in this episode, Jerry has a late book return um, from high school that he gets in trouble with a library cop. Um, for potential fines and a stern talking. And the question is, what is the name of that book that he had not returned? And what is the name of the episode? Oh, man. I remember. Oh, I don't even know if I remember. If I don't know the answer. I kind of remember it now that you've mentioned it. Like, oh, I remember that as an episode being very funny. And I'm trying to remember the name of the book. And I can't. Maybe by the end, it'll, it'll come to me. But I can't pull it. I can't think of it right now. Yeah, it's a tough one. That'll be a good reveal. Okay, that'll make people stay tuned to the end. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Andrew, why don't you get us started um, with uh, expanding the, the topic of exercise and just how it, you know, like I said, we prescribe it normally for musculoskeletal issues and pain and 
Uh, I mean, you know, it's certainly improving endurance, improving range of motion, improving strength. Um, but obviously there's lots of secondary side effects besides just looking better and feeling better, of course, in the short term. Yeah. And I, I think it's always good to restate one of our favorite quotes. If exercise were a pill, it would be the single most widely prescribed and beneficial medicine in the nation. Um, and that's, you know, that's widely believed across many different professions, you know, that exercise is that important. And I think something that kind of hammers home that importance is when you look up the 2019 statistics from the, the CDC on what kind of diseases and things that cause the most deaths for people in the United States. And we, we look at the top five and we're going to get into a lot about the heart and the cardiovascular system. And number one is heart disease. Um, number two is cancer, which we'll get to later in this episode. But when you look down the list, number four is respiratory disease. Number five is stroke, which is a vascular condition. And number seven is diabetes. So a lot of these are linked to your cardiovascular health. And we'll just go over a lot of the benefits in terms of, you know, maintaining a more regular blood pressure, the heart being a muscle, you know, avoiding something called atherosclerosis, um, which a lot of people are familiar with, where the plaque builds up in your arteries. Um, exercise is just very helpful for all of these things. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, that all the things you just mentioned, those top, those top things, um, certainly a lot of them also can be, can be preceded by uh, what is called, you know, sort of the meta metabolic syndrome, you know, and that metabolic syndrome happens before people often are diagnosed with a specific disease, like a specific type of cardiovascular disease or even diabetes when there's a elevation in blood sugar, high blood, you know, hypertension, high cholesterol, all those things are a sign of people developing metabolic syndrome. And, you know, that's usually accumulation of lifestyle things. One of them being a lack of exercise, a lack of regular movement. Certainly nutrition plays a role. Certainly stress plays a role. Certainly sleep or lack of sleep plays a role. And we talked on the last episode, you brought it up, Andrew, on the positive benefits uh, that exercise does have on sleep. And all these things are really intertwined. It's not just one thing. It's a, usually it's a lot of factors that have to play a role because our bodies are complex and all these systems work together and play off each other. You can't just affect one without affecting the other. Um, certainly it, it does bring to light, you know, the fact that these things, the other thing that I, I think should be emphasized is that these things are really, a lot of them are acquired know that they're not these aren't you know heart disease is a is something that not everyone just because it's a leading cause of death i think some people have gotten used to it as being normal when it's just not really normal it's it's very common you don't see these in, in certain in certain areas of the world because they're they are lifestyle type diseases certainly there's a genetic component with certain things especially certain cancers but lots of them are a product of our lifestyle. So we do have somewhat a certain amount of control on whether we, whether we develop these or not. Yeah. And, uh, when you look into the statistics, you know, it, it kind of is amazing when you think about the fact that almost 50% of adults in the United States have some form of hypertension or high blood pressure and are taking some medication to control it. And it's, you know, when I was looking on um, a few of the, the national websites 
for um, the Cardiovascular Institute and um, all the main American Cardiac Association, you know, they talked about hypertension or high blood pressure being the most common, costly, and also preventable cardiovascular disease risk factor. So it's one of those things that if many of us exercised more, ate better, kind of worked on some stress management techniques in our lives, we could all be doing a lot better with it, but almost 50% of people in the United States deal with it. Um, and then I found, you know, a randomized controlled trial that showed that just one day of exercise lowers your blood pressure for about 24 hours, a short-term effect of about five to 10 um, points in that systolic, that top number. So that's, I mean, that's a huge change. And then long-term it's even, you know, potentially double that and maybe even triple depending on how high your blood pressure is. Um, and there was some research that showed this, this, these changes occurred after just three to six months of getting those moderate intensity exercise recommendations we talked about last episode. Yeah. I was, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to bring that up as a reminder to people of what the recommendations are. And, you know, the, the bottom end of the, the moderate exercise was 150 minutes, you know, over a week. And you divide that up among seven days. I mean, that's just over 20 minutes a day. I mean, that's really, really minimum. And moderate exercise doesn't have to be going to the gym or even, you know, going for a walk is probably one of the best things that would be considered moderate exercise, but it could even be things like, you know, vacuuming, you know, doing some regular house cleaning where you're constantly on the move, yard work and those kinds of things. So it's, it's not something that people have to like seek out um, sort of maybe more complicated modes. You know, it's also, there's the 75 minutes that are recommended of intense exercise. And that's when you're getting that heart rate up to, to, a, to a higher level, which might entail weight training or running or cycling. Uh, something that gets, that gets you out of breath essentially uh, is considered a, a more of an intense exercise. Again, in 75 minutes, we're talking, that's just over 10 minutes a day if you divide it up among the course of a week. And so these are your weekly recommendations and I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but it was, it was pretty staggering the number of people who aren't getting these recommendations. Yeah. And I mean, like, like Andrew said, it's, uh, I think three miles per hour walk where you're getting a mile in, in 20 minutes is considered moderate intensity exercise. So it's really just going for a walk for 20 minutes each day is getting you pretty close to the, the recommendations they want. And it's, it's going to have a significant effect on, not only your blood pressure, um, the cholesterol and the lipids in your blood, which they've shown can be linked to, you know, the development of plaque. And um, we talked about atherosclerosis and kind of the arterial walls and what can happen with strokes and, and everything involved in kind of the blood vessel health of the body um, can improve significantly when you just meet those, those bare minimum exercise recommendations. But it is important to point out that there is a dose response relationship with all this stuff. So if you exercise more, you get even a greater benefit. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, again, it's, it's kind of like the RDA for, uh, for vitamins and minerals and different things, right? It's like, those are the recommended minimum daily. You know, th those aren't what that's not considered optimal. That's considered just a min the minimum recommendations. So these, these are not even necessarily the optimum recommendations are kind of the minimal recommendations. And, you know, I remember talking, I actually talked to a patient just this past week and she was talking about how, 
you know, there's, you know, studies have shown that owning a dog, for example, uh, increases your lifespan. And I've read similar stuff. And that has to do with the fact that, yes, there's certainly mood elevating uh, factors of owning a pet and caring for a pet and having something to love and, and, and nurture, but also the fact that it gets people out walking. That's one of the big things for people out walking where they may, may not just go for a walk by themselves. Now they have something that they have to take for a walk because that's what's good for them. And then it has the benefit, they, they get the health benefits as well from that walking. Um, and that's, that's been one of the things that's been pulled out of those studies. Interesting. Um, but yeah, and going, going back to arthrosclerosis, I'm thinking through, you know, what we have on our intake form and all the different things that, that, that patients have past medical history and medications. And certainly hypertension is one of the most common things uh, that, that people, uh, especially people who are sort of middle-aged and over, will, will select as being a very common thing. And most of it is controlled by medicine. You know, the medications for high blood pressure are one of the cheapest and most widely um, accessible medications out there. And so I think it's one of those things that people don't think about it enough as being such a significant factor in other health issues. Like you mentioned, cardiovascular disease, um, certainly um, uh, other things as well, even things like Alzheimer's disease and, of course, musculoskeletal issues they can just take a pill for it. And I think that that's something that has sort of been an issue with our society as well in terms of finding easy, easy options, um, you know, taking a pill as opposed to exercise. But there's a reason why drug companies really never compare their medications with exercise in really well-controlled studies. And that's because exercise would always win. And when they, when those studies are performed, whether it's with, certain even like um certain those are the interventions that are always shown to be superior to the medication itself yeah and i, I think it's also important to, to point out that it's never too late um there was some research done on middle-aged and older adults who had not been physically active in their lives before and just after three months of meeting those standard aerobic exercise recommendations they had signs of you know decreased lowering blood pressure decreased lipid levels in their blood um, they reversed the arterial stiffening that we see with uh, atherosclerosis and it just reduced all those cardiovascular disease risk factors um, significantly in just three months of exercise so even if you're someone who hasn't exercised for the majority of your life you can start just a small change of going on a daily walk that's a really good point, and it you know, really shows how resilient our body is. You know that you can take, you can abuse it for such so many years, and it and you can really get a lot of benefit after just a few short months of activity. And you know they've they've shown similar stuff with people who smoke all their lives, and that once they stop smoking, yes, there's a certain time factor involved, but you can almost you know people's lungs can almost return to a really healthy state, um, which just based on how you look, would you take a look at what smokers' lungs look like, you wouldn't think it's possible. But it just it's a testament to to the human body and how what what uh, what you can do to it and how well it can still recover despite the abuse. Yeah, and that's that's a great transition to the respiratory system yeah. because we're talking about lungs and smokers, and you know even there's been some research to show that the effects of smoking. Well, they're not completely reversed, 
um, especially if you've been smoking over a long course of time. Um, they can be improved a lot with exercise and it can also, you know, really reduce your risk of developing lung cancer, lung disease in the future. If you exercise on a regular basis, um, you know, just some simple things that exercise does for your lungs is that it improves your ability to take in larger amounts of air. You can see people who are chronic exercisers, um, just really developing the ability to breathe more efficiently and they increase the number of blood vessels in their lungs. So then you get that better transfer of oxygen into the blood. There's more opportunities for that oxygen to get into your blood and get to your cells and more opportunities to get to that, those waste products like carbon dioxide out of your lungs. So exercise, I mean, you think of aerobic exercise, you really think of breathing, right? And so that really challenges your lungs and forces them to adapt and become stronger. Um, so, you know, we don't want to forget about the respiratory system when it comes to the beneficial effects of exercise. And especially nowadays, that's obviously a very um, front and center topic um, because of uh, COVID-19 uh, pandemic that we're, that we're living through right now and how the, that has such a profound negative effect on our, our respiratory system and our cardiovascular system and people who have had uh, the virus, uh, many of them still have long lasting negative cardiovascular effects in terms of dip, uh, difficulty with respiration, difficulty with, um, you know, getting out of breath very quickly, low energy, low endurance, those kinds of things. So certainly the better you off, you, the better off you are with the function of, of those systems, the better you're going to be able to withstand, um, potential contact with, um, you know, unfortunate deadly viruses just like this yeah and it's you know we talked about the immune system and how important exercise is for strengthening your immune system and that you know at the end of the day these all the optimization of all these different systems in your body your respiratory health your cardiovascular health your brain all these are related to you know the big c word you know the second highest rate of death in the united states is related to cancer and you know this moderate intensity exercise we're talking about right just to remind you guys that's walking three miles an hour or something equivalent to that for 20 minutes a day so you know really simple has been shown to reduce the risk of 13 different types of cancer um there's this big study that came out recently by the national cancer institute in june of 2016 and they put together a bunch of other studies to come up with, you know, 1.44 million participants. So that's a pretty high number of subjects. And they found that this moderate intensity exercise resulted in a greater than 20% reduction in risk for seven types of the cancer. And then it was about a 10 to 20% reduction in risk for six, the six other types that they found. Um, so, and this was regardless of the individual's body size or their history of smoking. Mm. So they were able to find that this reduced the risk, even if people were overweight or had a history of smoking. So that just goes to your point, Andrew, of the resiliency of our bodies and their ability to kind of recover from maybe the unhealthy habits we've had in the past. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's a quote I'm trying to find that, um, that talks about, you know, when you we think about the time that it goes in with exercise, like you said, Andrew, about you know twenty minutes a day, walking three miles an hour, 
you know, that, that'll get you that minimum amount um, when it comes to uh, exercise. And as physical therapists, a lot of the you know, excuses that we hear from patients is I don't have time. You know, I, we know people have very busy lives, obviously with work and, you know, kids potentially, um, you know, all those different things, but it's, it's, it's your health and you only, you only have uh, basically, you know, one life essentially. And uh, what we, these decisions we make on a, on a daily basis certainly have a profound impact on how long the, our life is going to be and also what the quality of the life is going to be. Like, I think you said that um, you made the quote last episode, not just, you know, the, the um, number of years um, essentially, but the, but the quality of those years to a certain degree. And it, it's, it doesn't have to be a long commitment. It doesn't have to be um, really intense or crazy um, that we see uh, very popularized on, um, you know, Facebook and, and Instagram and, and these kinds of things. It can be really simple, but highly effective stuff. And again, going back to showing what is very effective is doing things that you enjoy, whether it's walking, whether it's cycling, whether it's going to the gym, lifting weights, all these things are going to be uh, super effective. So the most important thing from an action standpoint is doing what you enjoy doing. Yeah, you know, stay tuned for our next episode where we are going to cover more in-depth behavior change, you know, finding that motivation to develop a new habit like exercise. And really the hardest part is getting started. Um, and there's a lot of thought that goes into starting a new habit like exercising regularly. And, you know, I just I can't wait to dive down deep into that because I love that kind of behavioral economics, psychology side. I know Andrew and I both read a lot of books um, from kind of professors and people in that field. It's a very interesting side of the research. Um, but yeah, we look forward to discussing that with you guys next episode. Absolutely. What other, um, what other topics did you want to uh, get people, uh, do you want people to know when it comes down to um exercise in terms of how else it, it affects people? You know, nothing um, really specific. I think we covered a lot of the different body systems in depth. I think the most important thing is to realize that exercise, you know, what we know about it, we know it's extremely beneficial, but there are so many good things it's doing for our bodies that we probably don't even know yet. And just the wide ranging, just unbelievable effects it has on every part of our body. It's just hard to put into words. It's hard to even grasp, really, because there's so much going on at one time that I think just, yeah, get out there and exercise because it's just the greatest tool you have to kind of keep yourself motivated and, and physically and mentally healthy. Yes, 100%. And here's the quote that I found, a quote by Robin Sharma, and it's, if you don't make time for exercise, you'll, you'll probably have to make time for illness. And I think we see that in, in unfortunately, a lot of the patients that we see, that they're not only seeing us, they're having other doctor's appointments during the week, and especially for people who are retired, a lot of times their week is made up of different doctor's appointments because um, a result of 
maybe the lack of uh, better choices, essentially, in, in their life or opportunities uh, not taken advantage of. Um, and then that, now their, their health has been, is, is, play, is paying the consequences. And that's what they're spending their time doing, unfortunately, rather than enjoying uh, th- their time. Should, should I bring up the, the trivia question? Should it be Seinfeld time? Yes, let's 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 wrap it up with the uh, people have been waiting. They've been listening to this whole episode just to hear this. Bated breath. Um, so, just in just review here, the 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 book Late Return. The Jerry Jerry had trouble with a librarian showing up, a library cop, uh, potential fines with a book he never returned in high school. The name of the book was The Tropic of Cancer, and the name of the episode was The Librarian. Uh, huh. And that's just, it's a really funny episode where he, you know, I don't know, I guess in the show, he's probably in his mid forties or, or in his thirties. And, you know, there's this library cop that shows up from a book he didn't return (laughs) in high school and he's extremely serious about it and threatening him. And Jerry and George try to figure out what happened to the book. And they, at the end of the episode, they find out that their old gym teacher um, has the book. And uh, he, one of my favorite parts is he used to call George Costanza can't stand can't stand you <laughs> in that episode. I would not have gotten that. I didn't remember that as being the book. That's good. All right. Where, where can people find you, Andrew, on uh, social media? Uh, you can find me on at running man DPT on Instagram. Excellent. And you can find me at spear underscore physio. Also on Instagram and uh, sometimes on Twitter. And otherwise, uh, you can find us both at the Virginia Center for Spine and Sports Therapy. All right. Thanks so much, Andrew. We'll talk to you all next time. Sounds good. Thank you for listening to the Physical Therapy Soapbox podcast. You can find us on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and more. Please leave us a five-star review and even tell your friends, family, colleagues, neighbors, anybody who you might think would benefit from this information about us. For more information on the Virginia Center for Spine and Sports Therapy, you can find us on the web at vcsst.com. And for any questions you'd like to have maybe answered on the podcast, you can email me at andrew at vcsst.com.